gonna put my hand up. Uh, I, I found out something. Check What's this out. Boss? boss is lost. Fascism lives. Put your hand up. Oh. I put it down. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what the f is going on down there? Hello and welcome to episode 473 on this August the 20th, 2017. That's when we're recording. I am Chris Vangelis, and this is Seth Buzzard. Hi. Hello. What's up? Oh, you know. So work's been really tough lately. Long, mm -hmm. long days. But we got a handful of new people coming in, so hopefully it's going to start turning around. Um, two of them are part-time guys. So they come in in the morning and they just stock so everyone else could fill orders. Yeah. And I'm talking to one of them. Let's call them Stan and Dan for short. I know a um, Stan and a Dan. Right. Well, these are different guys. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm I'm working with uh, Dan and and he's like, I ask, oh, so what time do you guys get out? He goes, oh, we're going to we're out at 530. I'm like, that's cool. And he goes, yeah, we're going to go over to GameStop and run a scam. And I'm like, that's weird, because usually GameStop is the one scamming people. He goes, well, not this time, and it's foolproof. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, Stan doesn't like Pokemon, but they're doing this thing at GameStop where you get these Pokemon cards, but it's only one per person. So we're going to go there, and he's going to pretend that he likes Pokemon, and then I'll just get two cards. And I was like, wow, you guys are like criminal masterminds. I'm like, but wait a minute. You're telling me Stan does not like Pokemans? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, he thinks the games are dumb. I'm like, but he's wearing a Pokemon belt. It's so like all week, this, this dude's been wearing a belt with Pokemon on it. And he goes, oh, well, I gave him that belt. And I'm like, okay, well, this is weird. And then Dan starts telling me all about Pokemon. And, uh, and he's, he goes... At one point, he gets to the point where he's like, he goes, so I don't know if you know anything about Pokemon, but there's a group of Pokemon fans that only like what's referred to as G1 Pokemon. Oh, no. And I'm like, <laughs> like oh, oh, yeah? You don't say. I'm like, well, those people sound smart. And he goes, yeah. And they hate all the other Pokemon games until the most recent one came out. And then a lot of those G1 fans like just had to accept the fact and admit that the, the new game was good I'm like well they're sellouts they are sellouts and then he started explaining to me why uh, what generation Pokemon is and, and why it's not good and then I just had to cut him off and I'm like you don't tell me about G1 Pokemon I tell you about G1 Pokemon what do you know what do you know about G1 Pokemon what do you know about <laughs> Oddish tell me about tell me what you know about Oddish you don't know nothing. And then he was like stupefied and I just started ranting about G1 Pokemon being better for a while. <laughs> and now they're all stupid faces. Yeah. Just faces with legs. I'm like, yeah, it's just like, oh, this one's a bird face and this one's just a pink face. <laughs> and I just started going off and it was fun. He didn't there's see a, what was coming. There is a good post-G1 Pokemon. I think I talked about it before. There's there's one good one that I really like, and I got him, and I felt like I kind of beat the, the Pokemon Go game. Uh -huh. like I completed it because I got Pile of Swine. Pile of Swine is, is 
the end Pokemon. Like, that's that's the epitome. Well, and, like, this dude is, let's see, where it is. So the, this guy's, like, 18, right? Mm. So those first Pokemon games came out before he was born. And he's going to school me on what Pokemon is? I'm like, yeah. dude, you weren't even born yet. You tell you tell him, hey, hey, come back. What are you going to tell when... me? What are you going to tell me about Charizard that come I back, don't already know? Come back when you've ridden on the back of an Articuno. Yeah. How many? Yeah. How many? Uh, how many evolutions of uh, of Eevee have you got? Yeah. How many times have you used Lapras to get to an island? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Probably never. Yeah. You, know, you ever woken up a Snorlax? Yeah. Well, you did it wrong because you didn't do it the yeah. first way. The original way, Poser. the good way. Anyway, let's born yet. Let's let's get that dirt, that dirty taste out of our mouths here. It's, yeah, uh, that's gross. Cool. I took a sip of coffee. Mm. Ugh. All right. Uh, I got us a listener question to kick things off. All right. Uh, it came in actually right before we recorded, but it referenced the last time we recorded, so I figured oh, I'll just throw this in here because this is relevant. Awesome. Uh, this comes from Vorox four two five one. Uh, who says to whomever cares to answer on the podcast? Listening to I you don't, talk on four seventy one about on four seventy one about writers for the films, it would would it potentially be better to have someone like Simon Furman or another credited and knowledgeable Transformers writer be involved in the writing process? Thanks for answering. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it would it would be bad. I think uh, having them as the screenwriter might potentially be bad because writing a screenplay is different than writing a non-screenplay. Um, so I, I don't think it would it would I think it, obviously it would be better if you had like a Simon Furman or like you know a James Roberts or a, or a John Barber um, getting getting in on and having input on the actual script. The the, the main thing is though, do the the big movie producer types see that as a reason to spend the extra money uh, or do they see that as if they don't do it they save some money and also do they see it as why would we want these non-screenwriter types involved in our fancy screenwriting process So yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that because Kevin Smith has a story that he tells when he was hired to write that Superman script Yeah, and he tells the story of telling the movie executives like hey if you seriously want to do superman you should go to dc and talk to these guys and i forget the names that he named but it was people who have been working on superman for like years if not decades it's like why don't you like bring some of these guys in like they they know how to write superman stories and then being told like but they're comic book people mm-hmm so they're not part of the club. So we're not even going to consider them. And 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 certainly there is a different writing style for films. And like you know, you do need a, a screenwriter, especially on a big budget movie, who understands the like that process. But I think that having story consultants who have worked on Transformers, uh, like writers who have worked on Transformers as story consultants, would would only be a boon. I, th- yeah. I think. People who understand and care about the characters. And and I think specifically getting, like, John Barber involved, because John Barber has an amazing mind and a really good editorial mind for continuity and for tying things together and not having loose ends. Uh, that is the kind of guy I think that you would double want to get involved in, in something like that, like, especially on a story consultant level. Um, 
but yeah, uh, unfortunately, even though I think this this landscape has changed a little bit, the landscape is also still like very much skewed towards using screenwriters and screenwriters only, or people who have been proven as screenwriters, uh, regardless yeah. if they work on other stuff. Well, like things like Transformers and the other attempts at at a like toy properties turned movie, like the He Man movie back in the eighties, which had very little to do with any established He-Man storytelling mm-hmm. um, and anything based on video games. Um, like those are still in that period that superhero movies have finally gotten out of where the people making them probably don't actually care or have any history with the property that they're turning into a movie that we've gotten to the point, like the the whole reason why like, the Batman movies, like the the um, Nolan Batman movies were so good is because Nolan read all these Batman comics and integrated elements. Like there's mm-hmm. elements of Long Halloween in um in uh the, the one with Joker. Was that not Rises? Uh that the was uh one. Dark yeah, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Like yeah, so like he read Long Halloween and and took some inspirations from that and it wasn't a straight up you know adaptation of long halloween but long halloween's a great batman story it's a really good batman story mm-hmm. and like the marvel movies you have people who care about the characters now working on them um and i just don't think transformers or you know whatever movie based on a video game comes out has that yet and we've seen it with TV shows. Like, we oft mention, or I oft mention, like, that that last run at doing a Thundercat show. Clearly, the people working on it grew up with the original Thundercats and cared about Thundercats and tried to make it awesome. They did mm. make it awesome. It just didn't catch on. Or the 2000 X He-Man show was clearly people who cared about He-Man and grew up with He-Man. So. Yeah. Until we get those kind of people getting a stab at something like Transformers, I think we're just going to be getting kind of the same thing we've been getting. And, and I mean, specifically the movies uh, is what we're talking about with that. Yeah, because, like, you know, obviously there is good Transformers television and there are good Transformers comics. Yeah, yeah, Um, I I specifically meant the movies. Yeah, and and I'm thinking there there are a lot of... Because I think for movies... It's got to be not, there's this great writer, you should read his, like, 50-issue run. It's got to be, there is this great, you know, contained story, like Long Halloween, right? Yeah. Like, there's this great story with a beginning and end you should take a look at. And we do have some of those in Transformers on screen and on, and in print. Uh, and uh, and I think that I think that until you get someone interested in seeking that out, then we're going to just kind of be stuck where we are. Because right now, you, what you have is... Uh, Hasbro did make this sort of Transformers fiction Bible, and then Michael Bay took it and went like, all right, that's all we need, thanks. And so you can see these hints of deep Transformers lore popping up in the movies, but it is like a big book full of really cool ideas that people who are still just as disengaged are just sort of pulling from, or like flipping through it and going like, oh, yeah. this would be cool, this guy looks neat, let's put, let's put him in as the villain. And it's like, that's fine, but for that to be, like, that's also, whether you intend it or not, that is lip service. Yeah, and it's almost like they rifle through the pages and go, Matrix of Leadership. Okay, let's just stick that in. Yeah. Well, what is it? <laughs> uh, who cares? Well, it's going to be destroyed by the end anyway. 
it's like okay cool thanks for wasting another thing that's like one of the key elements of transformers and now it's gone <laughs> like yeah there's, there's still there's still ways for stuff to work but like um the the other thing that transformers specifically faces is that it even though they don't necessarily do it very much, every single movie in some way has to sort of introduce the idea of transforming robots every single time. Uh, we're getting away from that, and once once that is no longer utterly necessary, then I think we can have, like, a really solid, like, movie that is just, like, a Dread, for instance, where it's actually just a really good action movie that has these characters in it. Um, yeah, like, like you Dread take... doesn't take any time to explain what's going on. It's just, like... That's when movies are great, or when genre movies are great, when they don't feel like they need to hold your hand. Like, Dredd just drops you into this world and assumes that you're going to figure it out as it goes. And it's not like they're presenting any really complicated concepts. Yeah, Um, and certainly, like, robots turning into things is inherently more complicated to a degree. But I feel like if you took the Autobot cast we have now, who are, you know, 80% kind of scumbag mercs, and you put them into a thing like Last Stand of the Wreckers as a storyline of like, you know, or a Suicide Squad type thing. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm just saying as a concept. Uh, we got the squad Dirty of Autobot cousin. Mercs. Yeah, these, these are the bad guys who will, who will get stuff done. And here's their mission and they got to go do it and it's going to be rough. Like, I think that would, that would just work as a movie. Uh, and then if it happens to also be a whole bunch of robots, that would add that extra layer of cool factor. And, yeah. you know, your toy marketing and whatnot. Yeah, so kind of kind of like... It sounds like what you're saying is they got to get Transformers to the point they finally got with Spider-Man where we we got it. We know he got bit by a spider and he has powers. So yeah. in Homecoming, it's just straight into he's Spider-Man and we don't need to fiddle around with the whole like, I'm figuring it out. It's yeah. like, no, he's like, just like, Spider-Man. He's been and, Spider-Man for a little while. Doubly so with a character whose name is literally Spider-Man. It's like, you don't really, like, I think we can all go into, if we're going to see this, certainly we got to be assuming he has spider powers, you know? Like, hey, the guy (laughs) called Spider-Man shoots webs and sticks to walls. What? No, I need an origin story, you know? It's like, if you go to, eventually, I'm hoping, if you go to see a movie that's called The Transformers, and then you see a car turn into a robot, you're like, oh, I bet that's why it's called The Transformers. Okay. You know, <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I couldn't stand in Man of Steel. It's like not only did they feel the need to once again tell the Superman origin story, story which should be even more well known than Spider Man, literal um, mythology at this point. Yeah, <laughs> but not only did they retell it, but they expanded upon it, and now Superman's dad is riding a dragon and flying around Krypton, and it's like. I don't want any of this. Just get to the Superman in part. I yeah, don't. I, I don't care that Clark worked on a crab boat. If I want to see that, I'll watch Deadliest Catch. <laughs> I do. I do also have a like. I, I have a certain opinion about the origin story specifically. Like, I, I like seeing backstory, and I like seeing you know a, a superhero type character in a in a regular situation. But specifically, I am I'm really done with the origin story. Uh, every time I see something where they're like, well, this first movie's going to present the concept and put everything together. I'm just like, well, now you lost me. Like the new Power Rangers movie. By all accounts, it's fine. But it's also 60% an origin story. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like, look, I get it. But also, I bet this movie would have been even better if the audience as a whole accepted there is a team of Power Rangers. And then this was a story about them doing something 
cool rather than a story that is structured around the discovery of their powers. Because yeah. then I'm just sitting there knowing that they're the Power Rangers, but they're not the Power Rangers yet. And then, to me, I would just start to get impatient. Speaking of impatience, this goes on a bit of a tangent for a bit of a while, and we're not even at the 20-minute mark on this episode. So I've taken that tangent, and I've put it after the end music of the episode. So just stay tuned. After the music, you'll hear the rest of us talking about all this stuff. I hope that answered your question, Borox4251. <laughs> and a bunch of questions you didn't want to answer. That's right. Like uh, the state of light bulbs. <laughs> we've also got some uh, some uh, other filmmaking uh, behind the scenes type stuff to talk about. Uh, this comes out of TF Nation. Um, this was uh, a panel presented at TF Nation, but this is some video from that panel. Uh, the episode of G1 called Heavy Metal War now has storyboards of deleted scenes and audio from those deleted scenes. So... Uh, I think it was Chris McFeely put this together, if I read the comments here right, because he was talking about putting the audio together. Basically, he reassembled these deleted scenes and worked them into where they would have happened in the episode. Uh, so that, like, it's a clip of the episode for a few seconds, it fades into the storyboards, uh, the the discovered uh, dialogue is, is added in, as well as some sound effects and music. Uh, it's real darn seamless for the most part. I only watched deleted scene number one. Um, with the Constructicons, like, pointedly finding the Decepticon hidden base and going inside by shooting finger beams at it. And uh, it's a great job. It feels like a legit featurette. Uh, and, and I really wanted to share this on here, because I, I think it is, like, again, one of those really cool things that actually makes the G1 cartoon feel vaguely fresh again. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> it sounds like, due to a lack of other storyboards and, and whatnot, this is the only episode for which this is doable right now. Uh, Chris McFeely says no other G1 episode has their entire set of storyboards out in the wild yet um, but it, it's really friggin cool uh, I, I think he did a great job like working in all those effects and everything it, it, it feels very professional and it, it's a great way to present that stuff and like make it feel like a legit deleted scene so I was, I was really impressed um, Seth did you get a chance to check any of this out? Uh, yeah um and it's it's awesome like we've seen storyboard sketches and we've heard unused audio now um but the just the fact that chris mcfeely went through the effort to edit it all together is awesome like i'm i'm almost more impressed with the job he did than than what it is presenting uh, it's, I, like, I it's really cool I agree. Like, I think it's it, it certainly helps that we had, like, I think he must have used, I, I didn't ask him, but he must have used some of the score from that, you know, that recent project in the last couple of years where it was, like, reassembling the G1 audio soundtrack. Yeah. So, like, it's really cool that all this stuff is here and, and you can actually put it together now. Uh, I hope people can, I hope that more storyboards exist and can be tracked down uh, because this is the kind of stuff that makes me care about the G1 cartoon again. Like, not to say I think I... Not to say I, like, literally don't care about it, but it's been there so long. Like, yeah, it's hard for it's me like to get how excited many, about How many it. times can you watch something? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is fresh. You know, I said this about the, the audio recordings when they were found. This is all fresh. This is the kind of stuff that I, years ago, would have said, yeah, G1 cartoon is just what it is, and we're done having interesting things to say about it. But, like, this is, this is freaking cool. Like, deleted scene number one, the only one I watched... It's really cool, and also, you can entirely see why you would delete that scene. It's a complete waste of time. 
The Constructicons <laughs> are flying from point A to point B on screen and going like, ah, th- I think the secret entrance is over there. And then Hook's like, ah, with style, I'll open the door. And then the door opens, and then they fly into the scene that actually exists. And I'm like, yeah, no, you should have cut that. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, like a friend of mine years ago, like when DVDs were kind of still a new thing, and it's like, oh, man, this has deleted scenes in it. He would always go, usually there's a reason why they took those scenes out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, great. Like, here's five minutes of nothing that they took out of the movie. Why am I watching it? (laughs) Um, But, yeah. But, I mean, I'm just really impressed with the job Chris McFeely did. So that's awesome. That goes without saying. It's fun. It's fun to see that stuff. and. It's cool. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not a, a hater like my friend is or was. Um, I'm not a hater. We not we don't hater. got we don't got time to be haters here. Oh, and we got mashed potatoes to. Yeah, I was trying to rhyme something with hater. It's really hard to think of something that rhymes with hater without just jumping straight over to masturbator. <laughs> and like you can only do that so many times. Or stealing Ben Peck's line from Giant Bomb. I don't even ben remember. What, I don't remember what it was. Now I was also trying to think of that. It was when him and Abby Russell were doing their my first E three podcasts. Yeah, and Abby started referring to their haters, and then every time she would refer to the haters, Ben would say, "Haters are my elevators. They press my buttons and it moves me." Right. <laughs> we're not here to be elevators. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, wanted, I really wanted to highlight this, especially if it was the, you know, I said this about the G1 audio thing. It's real easy to kind of glaze past a G1 related news item nowadays. Uh, and so friggin go check this out. It's it's really cool. Link is in the the, uh, the message board thread. It's in the topic list. Props to Chris McFeely and uh, and props to TF Nation. Sounds like TF Nation had a great show this year. Um, I want to try to go to one of those. Sounds like it's real European. Anyway, uh, if I ever go to England, I'm going to dress up as George Washington and just walk around flipping people off. (laughs) Get get a cameraman. Yeah, I'll chase people down the street and yell at them. (laughs) Talk to me. These people are all brainwashed. (laughs) Uh, There's one other thing I wanted to point out from this thread. I I scrolled down the thread and then. This is something I actually didn't know. So this is new to me, and this is was probably my ignorance. Uh, I scrolled down, uh, and there was this comparison of two screenshots of, uh, of Spike. And it's showing how the Rhino and Shout Factory DVDs um, use uh, the Unfinished Masters, and and then uh, the 2002 Maverick DVD used the Finished Master. And so, like, in the Finished one, Spike looks all handsome and like an anime boy. And then if you look at the top one... He looks like uh, less handsome and less like a human and more like his face is traveling up the front of his head. Uh, I never knew that there were those two different copies of that cell. And that the, like, the Shout Factory Rhino stuff has really thrown me off in, in the amount of unfinished you know, versus finished animation. And like, you know, aside from the obvious ones where it's like the colors are wrong or they're shooting lasers that aren't there, like yeah. a lot of the stuff I'm just not very aware of. That's, I don't know, fascinating to me. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? Like, 
from what I understand, what makes like, me interested in it is like, that, what did Rhino do? Like, how did what? It, it was this whole toss-up where it's like uh, the the highest quality masters were also unfinished animation, and then episodes that had like changes and finished animation done, there weren't high quality masters for them. So Rhino just ignored them. Uh, Shout Factory, I believe, tried to piece them together and did a really solid job, but still, you know, missed one or two things. And then I'm guessing these 2002 DVDs just use television recordings, which are like you can see in that in those two screen caps. One of them is way less like the the finished one is also way less saturated, yeah. so it looks like it's a VHS recording. Um, so yeah, there's there's yeah, the, lines it's all aren't give and as take. sharp. Yeah, yeah, and there's like fuzz on the top with and the and a lot of pixelation. So. You know, it's, it's. I'm sure there actually is like straight up like a whole ton of records of all this stuff that I'm just not very uh, acclimatized to. But it's these things that also keep the G1 cartoon fresh for me. So fresh. hey, uh, we also got some more fresh listener questions. Fresh. We got one here from Riddler87. He says, "Hello, Evangelist and Company. I recently Riddle, picked yes. up." Titans Return, Repugnus, and I originally picked them up to go with Perceptor, since I tend to treat the Titan Masters kind of like Minicon partners. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't think of one, or I just couldn't think of the Repugnus as an Autobot. I mean, he looks like something the G.I. Joes fought in Cobra Law. So, since yellow looks really <laughs> nice with purple, I teamed him up with Blitzwing instead. I just took one of the Blitzwing Decepticon symbol stickers and put it over the Autobot symbol on Repugnus, put a layer of clear coat over to seal it, I was just wondering if anyone has ever done this and changed a character's alliance just because it felt right to you, or are there characters that you think are in the wrong allegiance in the fiction and change it in your own headcanon? Anyway, guess this means I'll just have to pick up Ramhorn to go with Perceptor. Yes and click. So, uh, Seth, do you ever do that? Do you ever just go like, you know what? You don't look like you're on the side that all the fiction's telling me you're on. No, I'm too worried about continuity and stuff to do something like that that sounds crazy to me um there are like like repugnus and like some of those more monster like autobots that i always thought was weird like why why didn't they make these guys decepticons because they're like crazy monsters um Mm. so yeah like i i get where he's coming from but i think he's nuts (laughs) to put to come to take a sticker and sticker ah i would never do that oh man that sounds yikes so i haven't put a sticker over an insignia because like i also just don't really care that much about the insignias uh like that's why i don't mind them not being on a lot of third-party toys but um i know i've done this with characters who have zero to 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 less than zero fiction behind them i just can't remember anymore because i i know that I've, i've done this with just like you know cyber jets and stuff you know like characters who kind of don't matter all that much outside of like the most niche of niche fiction um but yeah i i really can't remember anymore that's kind of why i also like the 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 gray zone characters like uh to some degree your lockdowns or you know punch counter punch or double dealer where it's like these guys just operate on their own or or anyone who's who's down with unicron you know those that whole crew Yo, uh, you down with unicron you down with the down with the crown? <laughs> uh, y'all want some crownic? <laughs> some of that unicronic? Uh, I think there's actually a listener or a user named Unicronic, so I, I shouts out. But uh, that's a pretty good bad name. <laughs> I uh, I know I've done it, 
I just can't remember anymore. Uh, many apologies to your Riddler eighty seven, but uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's that's totally crazy. I think it's a little bit weird to, to straight up do repugnance, but that's because to me, I I very much have attached repugnance to like established G one good guys. I will agree with you though. I don't think repugnance and Perceptor make all that great a team in any way, shape, or form, and I think it's really weird that in Japan they're packing repugnance with Perceptor. Uh, I don't, I don't get how that works at all, but yeah. it's, I, I think it's just a way to get the repugnance weapon out there since the repugnance headmaster is coming with a legends toy. Um, anyway, hope that answered your question. Uh, going out to all the listeners, if any of you have done any allegiance swaps just cause you think it looks better, like let us know in the thread. Um, if you have a heavy opinion as to why you think that's the bad thing to do, uh, you should let, um, who's the guy who owns Twitter? Jack. Oh, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, you should Dorsey? you should tweet you should tweet Jack on Twitter to let him know what you think about why people shouldn't be putting stickers uh, over allegiance symbols on no, Transformers. It's gonna drive me crazy. I can't Pretty stand sure it's that Jack. Guy. It's at Jack, I think. Anyway, that's the guy to tweet about that. I think um, it's Jack Dorsey. It's gonna drive me crazy if I don't find out. <laughs> yeah, Jack Dorsey. I knew it. Uh, anyway, thanks. Our next listener question. Listen or read Hatching Twitter. He's, he's a dirtbag. Well, like, everyone that founded Twitter was kind of a dirtbag. It was like this total like backstab festival as they all like <laughs> got each other kicked out of the company. But like Dorsey kind of Dorsey won um, in really he crummy won, ways. He won like, the he, backstab festival. <laughs> yeah, like he's the worst of a bunch of bad people. <laughs> Also, whoever's in charge, like I, the people. How do I put this? You want me? You want me to say someone whose motivations I don't trust? It's whoever in 2017 still owns and runs Twitter. That's someone whose motivations I don't really trust. Outside of trying to sell Twitter, oh my God, would someone please buy Twitter? That's the well, that's the impression and, I get from Twitter. And it's like Dorsey used to be like a punk rock guy, and he had like earrings and long hair and 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 like he was like that kind of dude leather and jacket then, yeah now he's like clean cut johnny business suit but like he had a part in a moment in between where he was like i'm gonna be the new steve jobs and steve jobs just has like a closet full of blue jeans and mock turtlenecks so i'm gonna create my outfit that i'm gonna wear every day and i'm gonna be that guy that has like the one outfit he wears because now he's not spending time thinking about what he's going to wear because he's thinking about more important things. I'm going to be cool like Steve Jobs. It's like, no, you're lame like Jack Dorsey. <laughs> you poser. That's my new favorite you t-shirt. Lame, lame like Jack Dorsey. <laughs> Man. My uh, girlfriend and I keep like coming up with like dumb things to put on t-shirts and we keep joking about starting like a line of t-shirts and maybe we need to do that. Lame like Jack Dorsey. <laughs> yeah. Lame like Jack Dorsey and laugh like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> like that's that's your opening two products. <laughs> well, uh, he's the richest man in the world now, so I can't do that. Oh. Or you can, and he's all like, no, just shoot me 10%. And then he laughs really loud. Um. Anyway, our next listener question is from Tay Washi. Says, uh... A listener question for you and the crew. I feel this could lead to some terrific discussion. 
Uh, I recently ordered the Generation Toy Op-X, or IDW Optimus figure, and I am ecstatic to get it, so much so that I opted to check out the discussion thread, and in it I found something interesting. I saw a comparison between this figure and the G Creations rendition. In this comparison, people were going on about accuracy and style, and even a few people who wanted both for both modes. This led me to my questions. Number one, what is the point of comparing two figures on merits like articulation when it will only sit on a confined shelf in a very economic pose? Not to say this form of display collecting is wrong, but I am curious. So the one bit of confusion I got from this was the bit where you said not to say this is this form of display collecting is wrong, because I was also going to say, number one, I don't think that uh, because figures sometimes end up on confined shells and economic poses, that means that the merit of articulation is pointless to, con to, to compare. But then I get the impression that you're also saying that you don't do that. So uh, I'll answer your question. It's because posing the figure is a huge part of the play pattern for even people who take photos uh, and then put the figure back on the shelf. Um, that said, like people who do just buy a figure and put it straight on the shelf, I do posit the question, would you be up for paying about half the price of that if the figure didn't transform and was less posable but still looked really good standing on the shelf? Uh, and if not but you also don't engage with the figure, certainly is that not a very interesting uh, set of motivations to explore. Um, so that's it. I think that's why we would compare figures on articulation. I know, Seth, why would you compare two figures on the merit of articulation? Because I care a lot about articulation, even though the figure is going to spend almost its entirety in a single pose on a shelf or packed away in a box. Um, so I kind of get why he would question that because it does seem like, like it th shouldn't make any sense to really care about articulation and then very rarely engage with it. So I, I guess that's why there's statues and mcfarlane figures for people who don't care about articulation and just want something that looks super accurate mm -hmm. like if that's what you're after then like i totally get why you would want a statue or a mcfarlane figure that technically has articulation but is going to look dumb if you don't have it in the pose that yeah. it was designed for um and why a less articulated transformer might be good for you because you just want it to look more accurate. And then if it has tons of articulation, you're going to have all those joints visible, kind of breaking up the the lines of, of the character. So, like, I get it. It's just I, I want that articulation. Because well, maybe I, I am going to take some silly pictures and I want to put them in silly poses for a while I, before I find putting them on the shelf. One, one thing that makes our fandom so unique is that is that, for the most part, most anyone I ever pose that kind of question to say, no, I want I want it to transform and I want it to be articulated. And I think that that makes our fandom such I think it's way more interesting to, to think about all the reasons why Transformers fans like to buy what they buy, because there are all these like straight up in some ways semi conflicting motivations. Uh, I, I think it's really fascinating and worth looking into and, and you know, questioning of the self. Because, like, to me, like... A, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Question yourself. That's right. Uh, <laughs> to me, uh, I, like, a lot of my figures, you know, certainly spend a lot of time, like, just in, in boxes. Uh, but to me, the articulation is so valuable f just to, to have, like, that fried gold moment, the photo shoot, the video shoot, that time when I do sit there and I'm just putting the thing in poses and it's doing things that make it feel alive and emotive and it's communicating a story. And it's like, 
I love that potential. I love that being there, and I love engaging with it when it feels good. Um, I think that that really extends to action figures in general. Uh, so, so I think I think that uh, as far as articulation is concerned, absolutely, it is worth comparing on two figures. I think that because uh, this, this is the this question made me think about something I never thought about, which is that a lot of us, myself included, will go like, "Well, these two figures are basically articulated the same way." Ah, but this one's knees can bend uh, to a tighter curl than that one, or this one's bicep swivel is more impeded, or this one has a, a, a more outward range on the shoulder. Like, a lot of really middling stuff um, that, in you know, in hindsight, certainly, that from, from a distance, that is some middling-ass stuff to be thinking about, that this figure's outward shoulder motion, for instance, has 20 degrees more outward shoulder motion, so his arms can go higher when he's going into a tree pose. So, like, uh... Yeah, I, I think it is good to question this kind of stuff, even if it feels ridiculous um, when you read it, because, I don't know, I think it, you can discover things about your own collecting motivations that can enrich the whole experience. Yeah, like, like I think we talked about this and when uh, the Masterpiece Megatron was out. Um, I'm I'm not, like, demanding it. I'm, I'm not saying it needs to happen, but... If there was a, a Transformer toy line that didn't transform and were reasonably priced, like, so not by 3A, because they, they've sort of done that with a handful of figures. Yeah. Um, like, not $400 figures. Like, also, not, if, not being two feet tall each. Yeah. Like, if, if there was a toy line that was in the 20 to $40 range, depending on the size, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. Um, that were non-transforming figures that looked really good, and like just and like pick a an art style, like whether they're meant to look like G one or meant to look like the current comics or meant to look like whatever the current cartoon TV is, like what whatever, like just choose a a style, and they didn't transform, but they looked awesome in robot mode, and they had really good articulation, um. I would be interested and maybe I, maybe it would, they would choose a style that I'm not into and then I wouldn't bother with it, but I'm not against the concept of a non-transforming transformer toy line. As long as it was like really cool looking and not just like, like I think I, I always thought action masters are crummy looking. Yeah. Um, like, like I don't want action masters. Like, so don't point to action masters and go. They, there you go. Well, like, you like anti-transformer, I, transformer fan. <laughs> I, I like action masters, but they have a style, and it it was dated within a year of the toys coming out, and I felt that way yeah. when I was a kid. So, like, I like action masters, but I ain't gonna tell you that those are like. Oh no, that's that. They solved it. They solved it. Look, they're sunbow models with joints because it's like no. They also they're not all that articulated. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm I'm looking at my masterpiece shockwave. He's staring at me on my desk. And I'm thinking about that masterpiece Megatron. And if if they if it was a figure of this like style and quality, but it it would be a little smoother, a little sleeker because you didn't have so many hinges and joints and pegs and clips and everything and cheaper, that would be cool with me I'd, I'd be interested in that 
I think it would be really neat to see a modern, you know, non-transforming robot mode line for Transformers that also was affordable, because the... I, I feel like the last time there was a line that had more than, like, one or two characters come out, it was when Revel Tech did four Transformers. Yeah. And they were old-timey, you know, Yamaguchi series Revel Tech prices. Ever since then, it and it, 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 I bet you part of this is Hasbro seeking to give the license to people who will do big, crazy figures. It seems Hasbro has a predilection to give the Transformers license to people who are going to make a toy that is also one and a half to two feet tall or so loaded with features and quality that it's going to end up being 200 to $300 a piece. And it seems like non-transforming Transformers always end up with the stigma of also costing over 100 bucks a piece. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, yeah, what if, what if they were instead maybe six inches tall and... And designed on a lower end, designed towards the $60 price point, you know? Uh, still looking really good. Excuse me, still having that uh, that level of quality, but, you know, not having to be a Hot Toys tier high-end ass piece. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if maybe that is considered to be too much in competition with the main line or something. Uh, but I certainly would love to see that, because I think that nowadays someone could do, like... Like, if, if they were to aim for, like, you know, the Figma price point, for instance, and that, that level of, of build as far as, like, what it does, Figma certainly ain't perfect. But, like, I think that's a really good baseline to look at. Or SH Fig Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the lower-end SH Fig Arts, not, like, the, the licensed, super expensive ones. Um, I think there's something there that could be really cool. Uh, it just seems yeah, like it's not and, happening. And if it was being done by a company where it was, like, a more, like, an online kind of realtor thing... Um, and not on the Walmart shelf next to your regular ass transformers. I I don't know if that would really be competing because you're. It's just like a fan thing or for I'm, a fan thing. I'm I'm thinking with shareholder mindset. Yeah, where it's all kind of like you know those, those borders are maybe not as visible. Or they uh, could do it themselves. They don't have to 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 farm it out to somebody else i mean for sure i i think the i think the engineering on on the articulation would probably be the most interesting if it was farmed out but uh that that and i'm also thinking about like workload on on the design team that like maybe they're they're uh, how do you put it I, I don't know if there would be the time to to do a line like that unless you're unless you're like giving it to a you know a non-transformers team but then you run into the risk of like is it going to come out like just it's Marvel Legends but it's robots someone probably is going to tell me no that's actually a great idea so maybe I maybe that's not a bad thing I don't know uh, but yeah I, I, I would really like to see that um, I, I wish 3A got to do some, I don't I don't know how that all works but some of the stuff on those 3A Transformers license pieces are really cool and the, it feels like the biggest thing holding them back is that they're also one and a half feet tall and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and what if they were hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, a big part of that comes from being one and a half feet tall, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm like, what if I don't know? Because I think about how some of my favorite three A stuff is their their portable scale stuff. Yeah, and so I'm like, oh man, what if they got to take like their uh, their last or Age of Extinction or last night Optimus Prime? It's last night their last night Optimus Prime figure, and then do him as like an eight inch tall figure. Uh, with maybe some simplified articulation here and there, but, you know, still based on being a, a thuddy, playable toy. Cause th- what bums me out is that their stuff is at this price point where you want to treat it like glass, but then the two or three that I've handled, 
uh, were built for wear. Like, they were built like a big stonkin' robot action figure. And I'm like, man, this sucks that, like, it, it's stuck up in Unattainablesville, for the most part, for a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you gotta wonder how much of that is the license agreement, you know? Because, like, I feel like at a certain point, a company's probably not sitting there going, like, no, we specifically want to make the $400 18-inch tall figure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I bet some companies would love to make something that is, like, under a hundred bucks and six inches tall, because also that means it's something that is impulse purchasable. You know, there is literally no planet, no dimension, no timeline where someone can impulse purchase a four hundred dollar toy. But there are people who are well off enough where if they see something really cool at Comic Con that's like sixty, seventy bucks, they can go like, "No, I'll take that." You know? Yeah, and I think, I think where I'm getting with it is, I, I am kind of open to the idea of non-transforming things because I kind of, I think like right now I'm in a phase and like I keep going through different phases with this stuff, but right now I'm in a phase where I'm more interested in the characters and figures representing those characters than Mm -hmm. necessarily I am with, with the gimmick of them turning into different things. And so for like me, like the the robots are the characters more than the car or the gun or the whatever yeah the airplane so like that like i the ones i have on display because i'm limited to what i'm allowed to display in the house everything else has to kind of be put away um all the transformers i have out are masterpiece figures in robot mode mm. um like i don't have any of them in vehicle mode so I guess in that regard is like if you pick this like updated G1 style and they all matched and they were about that size and half the price, I'd probably be really into that. I uh, Yeah, I, I wish that option existed for people because I, I think a lot of this, the kind of anti, you know, the, 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 the whole my Transformers have to transform or they're not Transformers stigma I think a lot of that is at least partly backed by the fact that a lot of non-transforming transformers are also still really expensive just due to being high-end figures as opposed to, yeah. you know, more mid-tier Figma Fig Arts level figures. Yeah, and, like, I totally have no beef with anybody that needs it to transform. I'm only talking about me, myself, where I am right now. And a oh, day yeah, may yeah. come where, like, maybe that... Okay, let's say, like, they started doing that this this next year like next year they they do a line of non-transforming things and i buy them all and i'm like this is awesome and then three five years later my mode has shifted and i look at them and go why did i waste my money on this stuff that doesn't transform like why did i buy non-transforming transformers this is dumb like i just i'm i feel like i'm really fluid with how i (laughs) interact with transformers over the years I mean, I think that's also, I think that, to me, that's an inherent thing with this specific franchise, is being up for change and kind of just switching up how you do things. Yeah. But but I, I just think, like, you know, regardless, like, you just, your, your current example fits the case so well, but, like, I think there is a place for the sub-$100, well-realized, robot-mode-only action figure of a Transformers character that goes beyond just doing Optimus and Megatron, for instance. Yeah. Um, and, and I wish that that stuff actually got to exist uh, as opposed to like, like even even outside of licensed stuff, 
that stuff doesn't really exist. Like the there there are some third party companies that do robot mode only stuff, but most often it seems to be like it's either it's either uh, movie stuff uh, or actually I, it, it just generally seems to be movie stuff, uh, and it, it's built to go with that, that somewhat pricey line of movie robot mode model kits. And I'm like this again. This is super niche. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think I think that also this kind of hit right into Tewashi's second question, which is what do you uh, what do you lot value in a transforming figure? Articulation, vehicle, source, some amalgamation of the above. Uh, and it goes on to say he really likes modern era IDW Prime and Movie Prime, uh, the masterpiece Movie Prime. Um, and uh, so like I think we have touched on that a lot uh, already, but like specifically for me, it's like I just like it when. Uh, I like it. I, I like a lot of different things. Like if it's a design I like that doesn't have a good representation in plastic, I like it when it gets one of those, official or not. Um, if if engineering is really cool, be it engineering for transformation or engineering for articulation, that stuff really gets me going too. Uh, and I don't have a set really uh, chemistry that I need my figures to to satisfy because I got I got a lot of different tent poles they can hit uh, that'll, that'll satisfy me well enough. Um, and Seth, it sounds like right now, like robot mode is is key for you yeah in a lot of ways and kind of more in general like i i don't necessarily demand that a character look like a specific version of that character like you could do a prowl that i think is awesome that doesn't have to look like g1 prowl but it has to look like prowl like you could redesign prowl and still have it be different but have enough in there where when i look at it it's like oh yeah that's prowl mm. um and they've done stuff like that like like um i still think the the bendy armada prime is one of my favorite prime figures oh yeah and totally just in general i like that that depiction of prime he just looks chunky and ready for a fight like he looks like a tank like a battlefield tank like well not, not a, like looks like if a, he was a character a person... in a video game he would be tank class yeah because he's big he's chunky and he's just gonna like clobber you over the head um and yeah so and that's not like man if they did an updated version of that figure i'd be pretty happy i've been i've um, been waiting for an updated armada optimus for years like yeah. I, I i think that design deserves it uh I want yeah, like to throw like, in there too. Like I'm, I'm also way down for reimaginings. Like I think that I'm more interested in reimaginings when it comes to third party stuff than I am slavish like representations. Unless it's a design, like I said, that already doesn't have much representation. It's like the 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 Stunticons that uh, Transformation are doing that are based on the IDW books. They look so unique. Like I love that. Anyway, yeah. that's that's well. And another prime example like that I think is cool is the the rid slash car robots fire truck prime which f looks like his robot mode design like feels way more like anime mech yeah and and that that's cool and when you look at those characters it you don't have to ponder what they're supposed to be like clearly they're supposed to be optimus prime but they're both pretty different depictions of prime than the the vanilla g1 prime was so I just want cool looking versions <laughs> that mm. um, if it's going to transform, I want to be able to do it relatively quickly and not get hung up on like, oh, my God, what do I do? 
with this panel how do i get the leg from a to b um i used to be way more into complicated transformations and now like that probably plays into my acceptance of the idea of a non-transforming line it's like i kind of wanted it, it to be simpler now um i think some of the masterpiece figures are great at that like oh yeah the one, like a lot of the autobots that are are basically their g1 transformation plus a few steps i think, I think masterpiece shockwave has an amazingly good transformation yeah yeah shockwave is pretty great um so I, I think to me that that's the like the complicated transformation was was the future tech back in like 2000 2001 but in the 2010s you know now coming into the late 2010s to me a modern transformation is one that is simple for me to do while it's still doing very complicated engineering stuff it's just i don't have to do all the work yeah well like that early 2000s coming we were coming out of like the era of the shell formers in a lot of ways where you just kind of closed up this shell around a body that you just sort of tuck the arms and legs in for. Mm. So then it was like revolutionary. Like, Oh my God, I'm actually doing something. I'm not just closing this penguin body around. <laughs> um, but now it's like, yeah, like if, if they can get a better effect, like some of this stuff is, is you have a better car and a better robot than you did in those early 2000s and it's simpler like yeah. like that that shows like it's a more elegant engineering it's more elegant design and that's like awesome well it's like there's still um, really smart geometry happening but you don't need yeah. to also triple hinge things to make it happen right like they just so, they found the perfect cut you know yeah so i guess saying i'm looking for or i'm more into a simpler design maybe that's not like the right way to phrase it and get the point across like a more elegant design like sounds that that's probably a better way to phrase what I, yeah what I, 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 get what, I, I get what you mean because i've i've just been in the position where it's like i'll say that and someone's like oh so you want one step changers and i'm like no, this, this is not what i mean because also, those look awful as a car and awful as a robot <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah I, I think another good example is mastermind creations reformatted toys right now for the most part like their their rodimus that came out the whirl and uh, obsidian that came out those toys, I think, ha sometimes have really good-looking modes and just excellent transformations on the elegant scale, where it's like, this transformation will take me about 30 seconds tops, but I feel like I'm doing something every single step of the way, and stuff is happening, and then it's done, and it looks pretty cool. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which, I guess, takes us to the third question from Tewashi, which is, what line or media would you like third-party toy manufacturers to tackle from Transformers? I'm loving a good deal of the original designs and other deviations from G1 designs. I think some movie stuff could be cool, along with things from Cybertron or even more IDW designs. Thank you for your time. Both for these long questions, but also with the almost 10 years doing the show. Thank you again. Cheers. Thank you, Tewashi. So we, we kind of touched on some of this stuff, but yeah, like, Seth, let's, is, there, is there anything unofficial that you'd like to see in, in the freedom of that marketplace? Well, there looked like a hot minute when it was going to happen, and a couple figures did get released, and then it seemed to be over before it got started. But I would totally be down for third-party companies to fill in the gaps or kind of reinvent um, animated. Yeah, I, uh, I was, my own answer is, is related to another Transformers cartoon show that's that's lacking some toy representation. 
But to me, I'm kind of like, you know, right now we're just crossing into the point where third parties starting to get into filling in gaps for the movie lines. Uh, and I think that like it'll take that taking hold before we even have a chance of animated uh, taking a grip again. And also, we you got to find designers who can actually design in that in that style, which I think is one of the biggest hurdles now that now that we're this far along. Um, it's it's it can be a tricky style to design for, but man, I I just want to believe the audience is there to warrant those projects happening. Because that's the argument that you tend to hear for the most part is not enough people will buy them. And I'm like, man, but yeah. I wish there were enough people, you know? Well, and it, and it feels like the entire time we've been doing this podcast, it's always felt to me like a huge Beast Wars resurgence is imminent. Mm-hmm. And we've only gotten like little bits and pieces here and there. Like, here's your masterpiece monkey and your masterpiece cat. And now we're done. Or when they mixed in like Cheetor and Dinobot and stuff into, into the classics lines and whatnot. So it's like, they'll dip their toes in it and throw beast wars of bone once in a while. But I'm, I'm still surprised like that nostalgia group hasn't taken over at some point. Like the kids that grew up on beast wars are old enough to be the young disposable income collectors. And I'm just surprised that there hasn't been, the apparent demand for it. I, I think that uh, that falls into the same. Are they just not loud enough? Is, I, I think, is I think that for, it? Or? I think for Beast Wars and third-party companies, that that I think really runs into the wall of like what are third-party uh, designers interested in and able to do. Yeah. Where I think that like because again, Beast Wars, much like animated, I think requires a very certain style of of engineering thought, uh, and Perfect Effect is the only one who I think is really touching on that right now. Um, with their uh, their optimal optimus and their upcoming dragon Megatron, they've they found someone who kind of gets how those designs work to some degree. Uh, like they also, they, I mean, they also did Lyo Convoy, so like they're starting to find it. But I think that part of it is a lot of people who design third party toys and you know you know sell those designs to companies to have them made, or vice versa, are hired on. A lot of them, I think, just have a predilection towards um, mechanical. Uh, and like very yeah. anime or G1 mechanical. And so it, it's just, we're trying to find the one who gets animated still. And, and I th- I guess perfect effect maybe has found someone who gets beast era. Um, so I, I think that's certainly a part of it. Um, and, and yeah, I, uh, my own answer to this, you know, the current RID show that's on TV right now, like the, yes. the current cartoon. So they, they got their current season. The villains are the stunicons. They're like the main villains. Uh, and they're all, I love them. They're they're a great take on the Stunicons. Like I shared on Twitter a video of Motormaster transforming because it was frigging incredible. Uh, it was like his his first on screen appearance, and like the back half I of his big that. truck mode. Oh, I'll I'll send you. A, you know what? Maybe I should just find the clip right now. Uh, okay. Because I love Motormaster. Oh, while I'm doing this, I'll also say like the the other four Stunicons. They're not the G1 Stunicons for the most part, but I like a lot of their characters. Heat Seeker is the only one I'm not into because he's just boring. He's just a big tough guy with heat seeking missiles. Like his whole thing is like I'm Heat Seeker. I'm gonna shoot you with these missiles. Like he's he's like your general like your your Joe your average Joe Decepticon from G1 whose character my name is, is what I do. I'm a tough guy. Perhaps you met my cousin Canopy. I am yeah. what I do. <laughs> but then, like, uh, 
So there, one of the other duos, uh, what is it? So Heat Seeker is one of the big guys. The other bulky guy is Slashmark, who I believe is played by David Kay, and just sounds like if Beast Wars Megatron had the personality of Trax. So he's kind of fun because he's, he's just right. like, and his whole thing is his name is Slashmark because his tires can slash through stuff. And he's a snob. And I'm like, you know what? That works. That's enough. Because Good voice he's a actor. Serial, his name is Slashmark because he's a serial killer that targets people named Mark. That's right. <laughs> Change your name to Matt. But then they have this duo who had like whole episodes of themselves. It's a drag strip and wild break. And their characterizations, drag strip is literally Ralph Cramden. And wild break is literally Ralph Cramden's sidekick, whose name I can't remember. Ed Norton. Ed Norton, yeah. So it's it's Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. Norton. Yeah. Was it Ed? I know I his think... last name was Norton. It's the guy who's like, oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's Norton. I just don't remember if the character was named Ed or if I'm thinking of the actor Ed Norton. But, but, but basically the, the two Norton. smaller stunticons are the two guys from the Honeymooners. Yeah. In a way that really works for a cartoony Transformers show. Uh, so anyway, I found, that, I found that video. So here you go. I, sh I shot it with my phone on my monitor. I thought it was really cool. It's about 20 seconds long. Yes, it was Ed Norton. Huh. There you go. Excellent. So he's a Honeymooner character and an actor. Hey! Uh, anyway, I shared you the video. Oh. In our uh, Zencaster chat. Alright. I'm going to pop for something to pop up to tell me, and then I forgot that Zencaster doesn't do it like that. Zencaster leave, it's Zencaster's like, hey, it's your responsibility, not mine. I'm like, thanks, Zencaster. If you're not paying attention, that's not my problem. That's how I don't notice Seth posting a link to a bunch of wrestler figures until like half half a minute into him talking about Becky Lynch's face. <laughs> that's a terrible face. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, his head box needs to actually wrap around his head and not just be a box behind his head. His head, box is, his head box is, is a little soft. It's a little soft. But, garbage uh, garbage yeah. master is more like it. Those rid stunicons <laughs> deserve uh, high end, like not even high end. They just deserve good figures that are not a, a, a how do I put this? The only figures of them are, are one step changer style figures. And I think that's a, a crying shame. Uh, I, I would desperately love to see a third party company do the rid stunicons where they all combine into Menasaur. But also the two bulky guys can combine together like an Energon and the two small guys can combine together like an Energon where it's like a top half and a bottom half. I think all that could like you put all that together into five contained figures. Friggin incredible set of figures that could come out. Uh, so that is what I would like third party companies to do. Um, and there's a lot of other good stuff in RID as well. It's just that the, the RID stunicons. I'm just sitting there going like, look at all the toy potential that isn't really happening. Because instead, you just have the box set of the five who combine, and they're all like flip changers. And then you've got two of them who can crash combine together, but they're also just flip changers, and all their colors are wrong. Uh, it's a shame. Anyway, I, I had a soapbox about the Rid Stunicons I wanted to get on, and I did it now. Yay. Uh, also, I, I kind of like their take on Menasaur. It's pretty good. It's like if Menasaur was a sixth personality... And then if, if he's having trouble, he just starts screaming at the two guys who form the arms for being idiots. Um, going on from that, we got a listener question. Our last one for this episode from JR Golden 42 
says, hey, WTF peeps, got a comics related listener question for whichever team you think might have a better answer for this one, I guess. Back in the 70s and 80s, Marvel put pretty much all the branded properties they had access to in the main 616 Earth universe, with franchises like ROM and the Micronauts ending up relatively important to the continuity in their own ways. Transformers and G.I. Joe are the big exception to this license integration, with them being given their own separate continuity. My question is, what do you think the landscape of the Marvel Universe would be like had they decided to put G.I. Joe and Transformers in the main series? What kind of stories would you like to see? What kind of events would be built around them? Which characters might end up on a team like the Avengers or the Guardians of the Galaxy? And then he has his own idea. It is kind of long, and he said you don't really have to share it, because I could skip it, so I'm sorry, Jericho, and I'm going to skip that one. Uh... But yeah, he also he also found some really cool uh, ideas. He, he posted this question to a couple subreddits, and uh, some people were saying stuff like, what if All Hail Megatron was a way to introduce Transformers back into the spotlight uh, to cash in on live-action movies that Marvel would still have rights to, like an Ultron-Decepticon team-up or whatever. Uh, Snake Eyes and Daredevil teaming up against the Hand, um, having a ninja thing. Uh, also, he uh, says he still hasn't gotten started on that Circuit Breaker custom from his last question, but he'll get around to it eventually. So me and Seth are still waiting, man. Gotta gotta mask the that paint or whatever it was we were talking about. Um But Seth, what do you think 616 would be like if back in the 70s, 80s they had integrated Transformers? Well, they'd be in a spot right now where they had to just retcon out any continuity that involved Transformers and or G.I. Joe. Well, they would just put them all um, with the X-Men over in the we don't own your movies category. Yeah, the Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic even, Four, yeah. Yeah, Fantastic Four's got it even rougher than the X-Men got it. Um, yeah, I mean, it could have been interesting. I mean, there were kind of... Like, what wasn't Spider-Man in a He was in one comic? issue. Yeah. He was in issue three, and then they decided to say that that never happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could have been interesting. Like, see how the Autobots dealt with dr doom or something um like pick kind of an an oddball autobot to mix in the guardians of the galaxy could be fun yeah um but yeah they'd be in the same sort of pickle they are right now where like marvel still has the space knights they just don't have rom right uh yes that's right yeah so now it's like the coolest space knight they can't even make reference to having existed <laughs> Um, which makes the rest of the Space Knights lame, in my opinion. Um, I think I think what would have been cool is uh, there are a couple like historic Marvel events that like I think it would have been cool to see Transformers in, like Secret Wars. You know, like what if Battle World had just ripped a chunk of Cybertron? Yeah. Uh, or you know, a couple Transformers in the Infinity Gauntlet that would have been kind of neat. Like Unicron showing up with all the other cosmics when Thanos is like, come on, bring it, and then turns them all to statues or whatever. Yeah. But like that Daredevil Snake Eyes team up sounds kind of fun. You got a guy who can't see and a guy who can't talk. Yeah. Just beating ninjas. You could have like the silent issue thing again. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that. Um, I don't really have any like specific like. like... Snake Eyes, what is it? Just tell me, buddy. <laughs> well, if you're not going to talk, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> and then that's the end of the first page. Uh, I, I, I don't really have any like specific story ideas. It's just for me, it's like I would love to see what Transformers would have been like integrated into like the big ones like Secret Wars or like any of the big events. Maximum Carnage. 
Uh, even War of Kings, you know, like in some of the cosmic events, like Annihilation, that would have been kind of cool too. Yeah, um, well, and then he leaves out like Marvel kept Star Wars separate. Marvel did Star Wars around that same time, and that didn't have any continuity with with the Marvel universe. Oh, I, I'm guessing so it's not he just, completely unheard of. I'm guessing that's that that he probably forgot about it because they're not they weren't on Earth in their settings. Yeah, because Transformers but, and GI Joe were straight up on Earth. Yeah, but it's it's Marvel doing a comic book for characters they don't own, so um, it it kind of makes sense. Oh, how cool would it have been if integrate them? What if in like, Secret Wars like and the Micronauts are probably more the exception than Transformers and GI Joe and Star Wars are? What what if in Secret Wars part of Battle World was part of the Death Star before the Death Star got blown up? Yeah, with a bunch of Imperial officers stuck on it, going like, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> what are these freaks? They I want to go home. Powers. We just we can't even shoot the broadside of a barn. I want to go home to my wife and kids. We don't stand a chance here. We're screwed. But then, like friggin' molecule man, like take because they're all such you know garbage, ter- like useless operatives. That that could have been like a touching story of like molecule man, like you know rallying them all together to become you know like like awesome people. <laughs> We get we get we salvaged one ATST. So I mean, at least we got this two-legged walk-in gun platform, and then Magneto just crushes it. Okay, never mind. We're out of here. <laughs> to a ball. <laughs> We're out of here. That was the only thing we had going for us, and it's gone. <laughs> we out. And then there's like half of the main gun of the Death Star left, and Doctor Doom just steals it because that was kind of his thing in Secret Wars was just jacking other people's stuff yeah and then looking <laughs> handsome uh, but yeah that, to me that's that's what it is for me is I, I would love to have seen Transformers in those big events that I grew up reading and, and really digging oh man Armor Wars would have been cool if there was like a Transformer involved where Tony Stark's like I think that Transformer is using my technology and the Transformer's like crazy drunk man This I'm made of friggin' <laughs> I, I don't even know who you are <laughs> It's like skinning an Insecticon. He's like, where is it? Where's my stuff? <laughs> well, and like Tony's had some tracker thing or something that identified this Insecticon as having Stark tech. And it's just because he ate something once. Like, yeah. Oh, like a Stark cool. missile or something. It ate. And <laughs> <laughs> shrapnel. Shrapnel's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> Tony Stark's just like has a bottle in one hand. <laughs> Uh, I liked Armor Wars. I, re- I had the, the diamond the, tip the, drill in the other. Oh God! Just drilling into shrapnel, who's screaming while he's swigging off a big bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> You're a robot. You're not real. You're not real. <laughs> I, uh, one, one of my one of my growing up graphic novels was Armor Wars, so I, I like Armor Wars a lot. <laughs> then, like the beetle just walks up. Dumps the armor in front of Tony. Just, like, just, just have it back, man. Just have it back. Just yeah. stop it. Okay, I, he's screaming. <laughs> I can't hear. I can't deal with him screaming anymore. <laughs> him and me are buddies. All right, we both got bug stuff. Yeah. Also, I'm afraid you're gonna rip my guts open too. <laughs> I remember the end of Armor Wars. Literally freaked me out. Like the issue where Tony Stark has like the hallucination where like. A weird like skinned like hat like tony stark's cyber body horror thing is like killing him weird 
I didn't read Armor Wars. It's pretty cool. Armor Wars is pretty cool. When that was happening, like, I was always a Marvel guy, but I was in a mode of, like, it has to be mutants. Like, I didn't read any non-mutant books when uh, Armor Wars was happening. I was like, eh, there's nothing to tie in with the X-Men here. It's, I don't care. Like, there's a part in Ar- Armor Wars, I think, is when they, they ended the Silver Centurion armor. And, like, the way Silver Centurion armor dies, quote-unquote, is, like, to fake his own death. Tony Stark fills the armor with bags of his own blood. <laughs> Or something. All right. <laughs> and then remote flies it into the way of a missile. So when it explodes, it's full of like Tony Stark juice. <laughs> so that people think he's actually dead. I remember that that one extra little touch. I was like, holy crap, buddy. <laughs> I filled it with bags of my own blood. <laughs> I'm fine. Nothing wrong with me. Uh, anyway, I'm not Iron Man. I proved it. <laughs> wait, I just wait. I think I proved that I am Iron Man. Um, well, I, I think, was on so a bender. I, th- I didn't think this through. <laughs> I think I think the idea was people had like figured out he was Iron Man, and so he was going to just say Tony Stark is dead, but Iron Man lives on, and so he was going to like Tony Stark was going to leave the public eye or something. I don't know. I haven't read it in a while. There's there's been so many times where it's like Tony Stark is publicly Iron Man, and then he like comes up with some cockamimi scheme to tr- convince everyone that he never was or isn't anymore and then he just takes the helmet off again and goes oh, i got gotcha. you i was iron man it's like i just <laughs> i just don't even know where he's at anymore are you aren't you are you hiding it are, are you whatever stop drinking uh anyway i hope that answers your question jr golden 42 because now we're gonna do some what we got this week so, uh, Seth, my question to you is, did you get any Transformers this week? No. Oh, no! no. Uh, and things have been so busy, I still haven't gotten around to opening those ones I got last time. But uh, then I also haven't opened hardly anything else I got from last time. So last time I had, like, Twin Twist. Um, um, misfire and and uh windblade um and that that uh thor ragnarok wave of marvel figures and i've opened like half of the thor figures and that's it it's just i've been working a lot over time i can dig it i can dig it uh well i got i got a couple little things i wanted to, to touch on i got twin twist but my twin twist has two right hands so uh well that's part of his character anyone out there has one with two hands. left hands <laughs> if anyone has one with two left hands just let me know uh unless i can like find another one and exchange it i'm not sure but just head cannon your way into believing that he's supposed to have two right hands if i if Character i put a trait if i put guns in his hands his guns are so big i don't really see his hands and so that's fine i guess what if you get two left hands for top spin and then head cannon that one dude has left hands and the other guy has right hands, and that's what makes them such a good team. Well, then I gotta go find the two left-handed topspin somewhere. Well, just get another topspin, because well, you keep tweeting pictures of, like, shelves full of it, and take the hands off. I guess so. And then you could return the two right-hand one. Well, that's, I don't know, that seems like dirty and pool. And screw somebody else over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ruin all the topspins! Everyone gets to live my nightmare! 
Uh, but otherwise, Twin Twist is fine. It's just like he definitely top spin is the figure, and Twin Twist is the remold. Like, yeah, but they're uh, they're a team. They they go together. I just I, I don't like how uh, Top Spin's dr uh, tread segments on his shoulders stick up so high. I yeah. wish they could have rotated down. But you got to get both of them. If you're gonna have one, you got to get them both. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah for sure. And also, it's like Twin Twist is the retool of a really good toy. It's just that like Top Spin do Top Spin does being really good even better. He's the even better or gooder really <laughs> figure <laughs> of the two. Uh, and I also got me a Skulatron. Uh, who's the, the right, kooky, huh? rusty zombie retool of uh, Steelbane from The Last Night. And uh, he looks awesome in person. Like, his color work is incredible. His joint tolerances are slightly better than Steelbane's on mine, but I'm still going to need to go in and floor polish everything on him. Uh, and his head sculpt is ridiculous. I love it. Um, really darn good. And it, uh, I, I'm... I'm impressed by the paint job. I didn't think it was going to end up looking quite as nice. Um, it certainly is a little bit rough, but for something mass produced, like that, it is on on a certain level of like that's that's somewhat impressive. Uh, and I believe that does it for my what I got this week's. Because I can't remember anything else immediately jumping to mind uh, as far as Transformers stuff. Um, Seth, have you got anything off topic that uh, is is on your mind you wanted to talk about? <laughs> I did again stuff I haven't opened, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, from the Diamond Select Muppets, I got uh, Janice and Floyd Pepper. How are those? Uh, well, again, I said I haven't opened them yet. Oh, I um, thought you were talking about open things. No, I'm just mentioning some stuff that I got because I haven't opened anything. Oh. Um, but I I did get the Kermit a long time ago, so um, they have very thin limbs, which makes me a little nervous, but. Uh. But otherwise, they're decent. So I got Animal a while ago, um, which I haven't opened. I'm just waiting until I have the whole band. And then Dr. Teeth and Zoot are coming in, like, the next wave, uh, which I think is a couple months away. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm out to get the whole Electric Mayhem. And then I'm probably going to be done with Muppet figures. You think um, they're going to do uh, Uncle Deadly? I don't know. He's the he's the the organ player guy that was in like one episode. Well, in that last year that Muppet series that they did, um, he was like Miss Piggy's like butler henchman guy, wasn't he? Is that the I same did, guy? I didn't. I didn't actually watch that show. <laughs> I liked it. I, I want to oh, watch it sometime. It just wasn't easy for me to watch, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll come back to this. I liked it well enough. I want to um, see it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I'm more after, like, you know, the classic mayhem. Ah. Like, there was, like, that trumpet player guy. Like, uh, I don't know if they're going to do him, but I don't think he's necessary. Yeah, you're, you're after, like, like iconic. The core band. Yeah. Dr. Teeth. Floyd, Janice, <laughs> Animal, and Zoot. That's, you don't want the part-timers. That's the classic band. That's a classic lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I got that... Um, what are they called? Ultimate... Um, yeah, Ultimate Skeletor and He-Man. Oh, I, I was eyeballing those, but then yeah. I, I realized that wasn't the Filmation Skeletor, and so I'm like, well... I'll keep yeah. Yeah. Um, this is sort of like 
the I couldn't get that, so I'll get this sort yeah, of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I missed the filmation skeletor, but um yeah, again, haven't opened them. Um and like they, they both come with three heads. Um the three skeletor head options are really different and distinctive. Um the three He Man heads are all kind of the same same. It's like different haircuts, right? <laughs> Um, well, there are some differences, like the head that's on the body in the package, um, has a lot more contours than, than one of the heads, which is a lot smoother. And then the third head looks a lot like the second head with a different haircut and just a different facial expression. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, your three He-Man choices aren't that different. But the Skeletors, you get some pretty different heads. Um, and then, so I had pre-ordered from Four Horsemen, from that Coliseum assortment, the n- not He-Man and Skeletors. So yeah. I think it'll be fun to display them together when uh, those eventually ship. I was hovering on that Coliseum assortment for a while, and then I kind of sat there and I was like, you know... If I really want any of these, then I'll just wait until they're at Big Bad and pay the extra 10 bucks or whatever. Because uh. I was like, I was sitting there and I was just like, I don't think I'm like, I feel more like I'm, I like the He-Man and Skeletor homages and I like the Black Knight and I like the the Gladiator twin. But then I'm like, I don't know if I like them enough to like really want to throw them into my already kind of sizable pile of Mythic Legions. Yeah. Um, and since they're not series two bodies, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I really want a ton more of the series one bodies outside of like some of the knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I figured like I was okay getting some mythic legions off big bad before and they'll probably order themselves like a bunch of cases of the Coliseum assortment. So yeah. when it comes out, I'll see if I really want any. Yeah. I just so. wanted those two. Like I'm not getting any of the other Coliseums. Like none of them were different enough. Um, or, from factions that I cared about sort of a thing. The the lack of anyone f- truly from the skeleton faction kind of th- like, I, I don't know what faction the Skeletor guy is, but I, I got the impression he's not even really from that faction. Yeah, because, well, I don't know. I was going to say something and then I realized that what I was going to say isn't true. So I bailed on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thought process. I wish more people would go through right now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I got something off topic yesterday that I thought I wasn't going to get. Uh, I oh. thought I thought the window had passed on it. Well, uh, I got some of the over in the what? Um, I found at Silver Snail uh, a space ghost figure by Mezco, 112 Collective Space Ghost in the regular colors. Uh, there's a glow oh. in the dark variant that is still available everywhere, but the regular colors version disappeared off the internet and on the aftermarket, it it didn't skyrocket, but it certainly got more expensive than anyone should pay for one of these figures. Um, so I haven't messed with a ton of him yet. I mostly just messed with the base figure and some of the effect parts and the monkey. Um, but this, this is, is a, horrific. This this is a this is a real. I got so excited when they announced they were doing a space ghost, and then I saw that gleep, and I was like, "No, no!" So I kind of I kind of like scary monkey. I kind of like gleep in the same way I kind of like what I what I did with the the wrestler fig arts. 
Because Gleep is pretty darn poseable, and his face sculpt is terrifying. Yeah. He's staring <laughs> right into your soul. And I'm like, oh, I gotta do some stuff with this monkey later. <laughs> yeah, like, when I was looking at that, I was like, okay, well, they... It's Alex Ross-style Space Ghost. I kind of wish it was just more Space Ghost as Space Ghost. And... I'm a, but you know it's still it's pretty good it's pretty good and then I saw the Gleep and I was like okay well I'm already kind of on the fence and this Gleep is so horrific I'm I'm off I'm off the fence I'm back in the don't get it side I just wanted to get the regular colors one and then I was kind of like oh I'll wait and then it disappeared from everywhere so I was like oh man like I kind of wanted that uh, so Silver Snail had one and they didn't mark it up it was at it's like what like usual retail price so I was like all right. Uh, and I, I kind of like him. Like, the way they did the outfit is pretty good. Um, it's sort of neat how the outfit stretches down over his shoes, but he still has dedicated plastic uh, boot soles. Uh-huh. So he can still stand really well. Um, I'm of two minds about his cape because they put a wire into it. And I feel like Mezco did such a good job with a regular hanging cape on their first figure. I was like, I don't know about this. It is one of the best wire in a cape setups I have ever seen in that the wire doesn't fight you a whole lot. Um, so it doesn't have the thing that I find with, with wires in coats and capes where the wire starts twisting and then stuff just doesn't work the way I want it to. Uh, the tolerances all seem like real fine tuned to just, you put the cape in the position you want and it stays there. I am still worried about the wire wearing out, but, uh, in general, like it feels like a pretty good figure. Don't pay crazy aftermarket for him, but if you can find him for like whatever, like 70, 80 US that he cost when he came out. Um, he comes with a pile of effect parts that you just kind of wedge over his fists. Uh, the monkey is very poseable, uh, as well and terrifying. And I kind of like, I don't know why. I think it's because like, I like, uh, the, I, I like the coast to coast show as an idea, but I never grew up watching it. And for some reason, I always liked the space ghost design. And so I kind of like the idea of this this space ghost that is sort of the Alex Ross style one where it's like this is maybe too intense and super heroic for this character. Yeah. But there's something about that I sort of enjoy. Well, when I was little um I would see the original Space Ghost cartoon which kind of predates my era. Like the yeah. original Space Ghost goes way back. Um so like I wouldn't expect Mezco to do Coast to Coast Space Ghost. But if it if it felt more like that original cartoon, I would have been more interested than like the the really stern kind of Alex Ross way. Um which I think works great for Superman. Like I I really like the way Alex Ross has depicted Superman at times, like in Kingdom Come or whatever. Um but that's it it's like too realistic too stern for space ghost in my opinion he he does have um, uh he does have an alternate head where he's kind of grimacing he's like huh um and his effect parts like i don't have any photos of them myself yet but they they do a lot to really hanna barbera him up mm-hmm. like they they all looked like proper like ultraman style cheesy of like different colored bolts or like you know a big flaming rocket shot or he's got these two hands where it's the hand and then the fingers kind of are replaced with a sort of uh yellow uh laser bolt or laser beam kind of effect. Mm-hmm. Um so that stuff I think is what is what kind of grounds him the right way. This is a lot about the figure that that to me kind of works but like 
when someone says, hey, does he come with a desk? I'm like, nothing about the figure works. Uh, come, the figure doesn't come with a desk. Nothing about the figure is trying to be coast to coast. Yeah. I would I would dare say that's a that's a massive missed opportunity on their part. Like, I think if this figure had come with a coffee mug, that would have been all I would have needed, and I think they would have touched every base. I I think either you got to go all the way on a coast to coast space ghost or not at all. Mm. I I would like it less <laughs> if if that Alex Ross ass style figure came with something coast to coast related. Like if you're gonna do that, just do a this is coast to coast style space ghost and go all the way. But so in that case, you like what you mean is you you wouldn't do the fabric costume. Well, I don't know. Like I would have like a more cartoony, like happy looking face sculpt for sure. Like maybe okay. you could still do the fabric costume, but so I'm I'm trying I'm just trying to like I'm thinking like is it is it just the head sculpt that would like having more head sculpts and maybe a couple more hand sculpts, like would that kind of connect the dots better for that? I think it has to be in a box that says coast to coast on it and have them come with the desk and the chair and the whole nine yards Mm. and be able to pose them in like a sitting at the desk kind of way that looks that, that has like a more cartoonish, happy looking design than an Alex Ross style body design and and a horrifying monster gleep i love monster gleep though (laughs) well then that's what you got and i don't i don't think you should throw any coast to coast in there because they did the alex ross space ghost so just do the alex ross space ghost don't try to throw in bits of other stuff that's what they did and they should stick to it like i don't I, I I don't think that they should try to soften it up and appeal to another group. Like either do it or don't. So well, they, I, they, you know, I respect them for not putting in coast to coast junk. Also, uh, Gleep's head is on a ball socket joint, so I need to see if I can fit it on some other stuff. I really like this Gleep. He's just terrible. He's great. He's, I want to <laughs> I want to try to put his head on some, on some of the wrestlers. I want to try to put his head on like a Thor or something. Yeah. Like I've look, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, I've bought a bunch of stuff because I thought it was dumb and awful. Um, it's just what I what I personally would have totally jumped at for a space ghost isn't what they made, so it's mm. just not for me. Uh, I'm just thinking about I got to I put it back in the box for now just because I, I still got to do some photography and videography on it, but I really want to bust out freaky gleep. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you should Seth, I wanna, freaky gleep. Like, dude, I wanna, like if I you like that figure f- that's great i'm not trying to argue that anybody shouldn't like it I'm just i want to bust out my freaky gleep. it's not <laughs> it's, yeah i'm just saying that's not the style that i want for space coast either i want like full-blown coast to coast and it's silly or i want hanna-barbera ass old school original space ghost because that's cover- more nostalgic I want to cover the world in my freaky glee. You're a monster. I want people to open the door and for my freaky glee to just pour in through the, (laughs) through the mail slot. (laughs) Ah, I didn't, I didn't think I was, I never put the words freaky and glee together before and I'm having too much fun. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
talk from there. Change your Twitter handle to Freaky Gleep. G two Patley or whatever you currently on to Freaky oh, Gleep. I I I uh, I've, I've successfully abandoned G two Patley for my new okay. monstrous Twitter name. I thought you had, but I couldn't remember what it is now. So I changed it for conventions, and then I looked at it, and I was like, you know what, I like this, so I changed it a little bit to be less about conventions, but I kept it monstrous. It's still a terrible Twitter name. It's too, it's it's really ugly to look at, and I love it. But I'm going to tweet. Hang on. I want to bust out my freaky gleep. And then I'm going to put your name. Cool. I missed your name. That almost went to the wrong person. Oh, no. That would have been embarrassing. Someone would have been really confused. I mean, I'm sure everyone that sees it's still going to be confused. But. Yeah, it's up now. It's up now. We've got the chain going. Uh, anything else off topic that you want to cover, or shall we move on? No. Not, no. Like, this is how busy I've been. Not only have I not been able to open toys, I've barely touched Overwatch Summer Games. Oh, no. Well, you've got, well, you got, you got a week and a day. Yeah. I slogged my way through... 10 placement matches of Lucio Ball. I gave and up. That that was horrendous. I got my one win in Lucio Ball and I left. I suck at Lucio Ball. I it's, cannot play that. It's a crummy game mode. I it every stinks. time I think I'm doing something in Lucio Ball, I'm not. Every time I think I hit the ball, I've missed it. Every time I try to catch the ball, it flies over my head. I'm just like it feels too much like how I feel when I try to play normal soccer in real life where I just can't <laughs> keep up with the ball. It keeps flying past me and I'm facing the wrong way. So, yeah, I, I, I got my one free loot crate out of that, and I abandoned it. Oh, I didn't even get that. I went into the competitive. Oh, oh the my, ranked. Yeah, okay. and did my 10 placement mass matches. Oh, I didn't so touch I'll get yeah. whatever you get at the end for having been ranked. Well, maybe I should do that. Yeah, and then I looked at the one free loot box and I went, you know, it's not worth the trouble for a loot box because I think I only in those ten I only had like two wins. Yeah, I, I even with teams who could practically carry me, I still had trouble. Yeah, because that game can stalemate. If you have the right people on both sides of the team, that game just goes on for like twenty minutes. Uh, I did, I did, I should come clean, Seth. I actually did buy loot boxes for the first time. Awesome. I bought, I'm probably going to buy loot boxes today. I bought whatever it is you get when you spend like 10 bucks. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, 20 bucks is best value. <laughs> and I guess I should go buy another another $20 worth. Yeah. Of thing. Or do like I did one time and accidentally buy two fifties. Oh, no. That was a long time ago. I remember because, that now. Yeah. I accidentally bought two $50 packs. <laughs> I also got to, uh, I want to quickly celebrate, I got my first chicken dinner in PUBG. Awesome. In uh, in four-man teams. Uh, I got us our chicken dinner myself. There were two guys in ghillie suits, and I gunned them down with an ump while lying prone in front of them. Uh, I also flushed them out. I saw their shapes moving, so I threw a Molotov at them, and that just put them in a panic. And then I threw a stun grenade at them, and I put them in more of a panic, and I just lay in front of them, shooting them with an ump until they died. And I felt so good. Then I went to play a solo game of PUBG for the first time to, to wind down. And then my heart was pounding worse than when I watch a good horror movie. So then I was like, I'm never playing solo PUBG at night again. Because that's not a good way to relax. You should start yelling freaky gleep while you're 
doing Freaky that. Leap. It's gonna become my uh, what my catchphrase. Yeah. This game's a your pickle wreck. Freaky Gleep! Ah, uh, okay. Well, Seth, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you all for listening, because that is episode 473 of WTF and TFW. Stay tuned for some more as it comes. Uh, stay Sum- tuned for Summer some... Slams tonight. Summer Slams tonight. We'll see how that goes. I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye on it's Twitter. Gonna be... Uh... Gonna be bad. It, it seems like that's generally the case with a lot of things when you talk about wrestling. Uh, But yeah, we will talk to you later. Thanks for listening, and take care. Freaking leave! Yeah, like, when it's a character that's not as, like, in the public mind, like, Iron Man was when the first Iron Man movie came out, then I don't have a problem with that. Because, you know, Iron Man wasn't very popular for a long time. Mm. And these movies made him popular. So he's more of something to introduce. But like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, like, I think people got it by now. Yeah. And if you didn't get it, then maybe you watch this movie and then you like check out a cartoon or something and that you'll get it there. Or whatever, well, but it's like also, also in, in Iron Man, I think like what was it like by the thirty minute mark he was Iron Man, yeah, and in like uh, in Wonder Woman, that was also kind of her origin story. But by like the thirty forty minute mark, she was straight up Wonder Woman, and then we were done with the origin part for the most part. You know, like it is her first adventure, but it's not like we are sitting there waiting for her to become the cool thing. Like same thing with Iron yeah. Man, he builds that suit of armor in the cave. Now he's Iron Man. Now we've got to the part where I'm seeing the thing I want to see. I'm see I'm seeing the crux, the very backbone of what I want this experience to be. Yeah, like with the Captain Marvel movie coming, I kind of hope it's a similar thing where they get her in costume, kicking ass right away. Yeah. Like don't drag it out too long and then she's only in her outfit for like the last fight or something, like the big finale fight. Like, it's been long enough that, like, one can talk about Netflix Daredevil Season 1, right? I hope so. Because I, I, Defenders it, is out now, so... Yeah, so, so small spoilers for the layout of Season 1 of Daredevil. If I had one major crit of that show, uh, as far as delivery, it is that him in his cool red suit was literally, like, the final episode. Yeah. And I understand there was sort of a build to that. At the same time, it is a, a great example of a well-done version of the origin story that I am also kind of tired of where it's like I, I could have done with like once that reveal happened and I saw we were on the final episode I'm like I, I mean I guess it's cool but I also know I'm not going to see that outfit now for another year and I'm seeing it for 20 minutes or whatever like I, I don't know that's also just me that's that's my own taste well have you uh, watched any Defenders yet no I gotta watch Luke Cage and Iron Fist first oh okay I gotta do it in order yes because uh, there's t- in the first couple of I've only seen the first two episodes and there's a lot of uh, I, I think it would be very confusing if you hadn't seen those other shows yeah and I'm looking forward to watching at least one of them so <laughs> <laughs> well uh, when you get to Iron Fist um, all the stuff with Madam Gao is great 
Yeah. She's a great character. I love Madame Gao as a villain. Like, she's one of the best Marvel villains going right now. Also, I think it's it's behooving me to watch Iron Fist after Luke Cage sometime in the vague future because my expectations will be set criminally low. So I'll probably end up enjoying it because I'm certainly going to go in going like, all right, so this is the one everyone hates. I don't hate it. <laughs> it's just the if I was putting them in order, it's at the end. Yeah. I didn't and hate I, it. Like, there's good stuff in it. And I want to throw it out there. The like, best I, stuff doesn't involve the main, the title character. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to then, like, say, all right, people who liked Iron Fist, defend it. Because also, I haven't watched it yet. So, like, I'm going to go in. Defenders it. I, yeah, defenders it. I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to watch Iron Fist. And, like, I'm going to just go. I'm going to watch it, not hoping to hate it. Because I hate, hate watching stuff. I hate, hate, hate. hate. Hate hate watch hate, stuff. Hate, 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 hate. Uh, but yeah, don't worry. I'm not. I'm not gonna friggin'. I'm not gonna come after you. It's alright. <laughs> also, learn learn how to do a fight scene. Iron Fist. I saw that one clip. That was well, supposedly like the time between him getting cast and them starting filming was like a handful of weeks. Yeah, that's so that's there was why no I... time to train him, which is like maybe another argument on why they should have cast somebody that already could do martial arts acting. That's that's but... why my my criticism is leveled at Iron Fist, the entity that is the show, because I'm like, I'm like I, I y'all, y'all want to see an actor just get screwed over day zero? Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna play a martial artist. All right, let's train. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think in general, just the way they're depicting Danny Rand is not cool <laughs> like he's not a cool guy like luke cage is a cool guy jessica jones is like this lost like she's interesting to watch because she's such a mess and trying yeah. to like keep her stuff together and like danny ran is just a wiener <laughs> whereas daredevil is like perpetually beaten to an inch of his life and going like no i'll yeah. get up i'll do another one also i'm literally blind <laughs> it's like yeah. all right and then like okay so this this isn't any kind of a spoiler and we should really get back on on yeah. the topic but one last thing i want to say about defenders only having seen the first two episodes um so like they're still not a group yet they're all kind of still doing their own thing and the show's jumping from person to person and they're coming together but they're not together yet and i think like they're attempting to keep the vibe of the individual characters in their solo scenes and the way luke cage was shot is music was a big part of the way they stage scenes and stuff and there's there's like always music happening like more so than than the other shows so whenever it cuts to luke there's music now and it's like <laughs> jazz music or hip-hop music and it just it it like really stands out in a weird way because it's like okay here's what matt murdoch's up to and it's kind of quiet and here's what jessica's up to and it's all kind of film noiry and kind of quiet and here's what danny's up to and he's just whining about something who cares and then it like cuts <laughs> luke cage and it's like a rap video all of a sudden and it's like like i get that they're I get what they're trying to do, but it also maybe kind of feels a little, I wouldn't say racist, but like, oh, the black guys on camera better play some rap music at the same time. But it's not like, 
but that's not what they're doing. Like they're trying to maintain the vibe of his series. I was going to ask, like, but does it just this feel feels like, weird. <laughs> does it feel like four television shows happening at the same time rather than one? Yeah, at this stage, because they haven't come yeah. together yet. But I can, you know what? I see the motivation there of like we want to ease in the fans of each show into this United show, but then I'm like, literally, the fans of each show are probably fans of all the shows. Yeah. And I, I love that stuff. I love the music in Luke Cage. It's great. Yeah. Like it it like really helps with tone and and different characters are kind of associated with different genres of music in a way. And music is really well handled in Luke Cage, but it seems jarring in in these early episodes of Defenders. I'm also, just, uh... they need to fix the light bulbs in New York. It's like every scene has a flickering light bulb in it. And it's like, I'm going to get epilepsy just watching this show. Holy crap, somebody fix these light bulbs. That's that's the true villain's big superpowers. They can make light bulbs flicker, and you just didn't know they were there the whole time. Yeah, well, Daredevil's getting involved in some little scuffle in an alley. And there's two lights. One's a flickering light bulb, and the other's just a regular light bulb. He throws a rock and shatters the the, the light bulb that works, and all that's left is this flickering light. And I'm I'm just like, I don't want. To, I'm gonna turn this off if I see one more flickering light bulb. <laughs> like, damn it! Damn it, Murdoch! <laughs> Somebody fix the lights in this city. <laughs> Stop breaking the ones that work. <laughs> all right. Well. I hope that answered your question, Borox four two five one, <laughs> and a bunch of questions you didn't want to answer. That's right. <laughs> like uh, the state of light bulbs. <laughs> Add all that up. I don't know what the f it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.